The sermon text that will be the basis today for our message comes from Matthew chapter 11. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the gospel of our Lord. Let's take a seat. Recently, we've been trying to teach patience to our daughter, Natalie. Uh, just a few days ago this week, as Jennifer was preparing Natalie's lunch in the kitchen, I overheard her say, Natalie, patience is a virtue. But she kept crying. And she just didn't think that lunch would be ready soon enough for her liking. The same thing happens after she wakes up from a nap. Uh, immediately, she wants to get out of that crib and go play. But we have to change her diaper first. And I try explaining to her, Natalie, you'll have so much more fun playing if you're not sitting in your own filth. But she wants to play immediately. And so as I'm changing her, she's turning over and trying to scooch away. And very bad, very messy things happen when she does this halfway through a diaper change. Patience is not something a nine-month-old baby has, apparently. And sometimes we wonder, does she really think we're not going to feed her? Does, does she really doubt that? Does she really doubt that we're trying to do what's best for her? I, I can't get in the mind of a nine-month-old, but apparently... If what Natalie envisions for her life doesn't happen precisely when she wants it to happen, she can't handle it. Whether or not doubt is what causes babies to get impatient, I think as adults, our impatience definitely could be driven by doubt. I mean, we can be patient as long as we have assurances that something is for sure going to happen. This, this kind of assurance is what John the Baptist was looking for today in our, our reading from Matthew 11. As John the Baptist sat in prison, he was getting 
little impatient. And judging by the question that he sends to Jesus, seems like his impatience is being driven by doubt. And this is kind of surprising, isn't it? I mean, this is John the Baptist, the, the great prophet, the forerunner for the Messiah. I mean, he preaches boldly and confidently. And now he's wondering if he's got it right. Now he sends disciples to, to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? What's going on with John? Maybe we need to fill in a few gaps here. Was right. We, we talked about John the Baptist last week. He was out in the wilderness wearing the camel hair, eating locusts, and preaching repentance, sometimes harshly calling out sin when he needed to, but then also lovingly pointing people to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John the Baptist, he, he kept doing this. He kept doing that work even once Jesus had started his ministry. And so at one point, he even calls out Herod Antipas, the, the ruler of the region of Galilee. He, he was calling him out because Herod had seduced away his brother's wife, Herodias, and taken her as his own wife. And the problem with this is his brother was still alive when this happened. So John calls him out. He calls out this adulterous action. But Herod and Herodias... They don't appreciate that John did that. So Herod slaps him in prison. And when John sends his disciples with this question for Jesus, he's probably already been in prison for months, if not even close to a year by now. In John's mind, sure doesn't look like the Messiah and his followers are winning. As he sits in prison... He wants to know. He, he brings this question to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, are you the one I was preparing for? Are you the real deal? Or are you like the down payment on someone else who's going to come a little bit later? Because I'm in prison now. Things aren't looking so good. I thought you were bringing the kingdom of heaven with you. Where's the glory we were waiting for? I, I thought you would take up that work of the Messiah King and destroy the power of the Romans and Herod and free me from, from prison. Are you the one who was to come? Or should I be expecting someone else? Jesus didn't match up point for point with John's expectations. He was hoping for a Messiah that would be working a little more obviously, a little more gloriously, with a little more victory involved. When Jesus didn't match up with his expectations, well now, John starts to entertain the, the glimmer of a doubt. Maybe he isn't the one who was to come. Maybe I've got it wrong. John's struggle here is a pretty open honest look at how believers might struggle with impatience and doubt, right? Some of these same concerns might lurk deep within our own hearts. John voices a question that maybe, maybe you've asked, asked yourself at least once, if not multiple times in life. Have I got it right? 
Is Jesus the one I should be putting all my hope in? As believers, we're, we're holding it all together, right? We're being patient, waiting for, for God's gospel promises to fully show themselves when, when those promises match reality. But as we wait, I can't help but think back to when I was about 12 years old. And man, I thought I was so, so patient, so mature as I waited to open Christmas presents. My, my family always opened Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. And so first, we had to go to the Christmas Eve service. We couldn't open them until after worship was over. And my family was like always the last ones to leave church. But I held it together. I was patient. But then we got home and, you know, mom had to get food ready. Dad had to finally wrap his presents that we were going to open that night. Took a while. But I held it together. I was patient. Meanwhile, my brothers, they're going crazy. They're, they're wondering, when are we going to open presents? Come on, Mom. Not me. I was so mature. I was so patient. I, I waited. Of course, inside, I was just dying inside to just open the presents too. But I held it together. As believers, we're waiting for God's gospel promises to be fully realized. But as we wait, maybe... You feel like 12-year-old Eric. Come on, God, I'm, I'm being patient. Uh, I'm holding things together. When am I going to get what I'm waiting for? <laughs> because glory and peace, maybe those aren't things that we experience quite as much as trudging, just trudging through everyday life, sometimes without much reward. If Jesus is, is reigning, over heaven and earth, couldn't, couldn't he make things a little better for me? Couldn't he allow his gospel to spread more effectively? Couldn't he work in some bigger, more obvious way? It, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, right, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. <laughs> that doesn't really seem to be happening though, does it? I mean, there's no sugarcoating the fact that the reign of God's kingdom as it comes about through Jesus doesn't make everything better. Not yet, at least. We can't remove the tears and the fears that characterize our life in this dark valley. And this is, this is what makes John the Baptist's question such an important one. <laughs> Have we got it right? Is Jesus the one who was to come? Is he where I should be putting my hope? Is he really my ticket to something better? If so, then where's the victory for God's people? Where's the peace he promised? I can't seem to find it. Where's the glory of the kingdom of God? God's way of reigning over heaven and earth seems a little backwards. And we can be patient for our victory to come. But after waiting such a long time, maybe we start to have some, some doubts about God's promises. I mean, if even John the Baptist had some doubts about Jesus, then how could we not? We don't even get to, to verify our questions directly with Jesus or see his works like John did. Sometimes we wonder if, if God's promises are as, as secure as, as we wanted them to be. And we're maybe even a little ashamed to admit 
we have glimmers of doubts because of what Jesus says in verse 6. He says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. <laughs> but Jesus, so many people do stumble on account of you and don't believe. What if I have reservations in my heart sometimes like John did? What if every once in a while some, some doubts do pop up for me? I'm not going to lie, Jesus. You and your promises don't always match my expectations, point for point. So, maybe today, like John, let's take this chance to be honest about some of those doubts that maybe lurk in there. Because Jesus is patient with doubt. Jesus shows patience with his people's impatience. Just look at how he assures John that he doesn't have to wait for another Messiah. He is the one he claims to be. The Messiah has come. And he points John to God's word to give assurance. He points him to all the handiwork of the Messiah, all the prophesied things that the Messiah would do, and he points him to how he's doing them. Jesus says to, to John's disciples, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Already at this point, Jesus has done all those things. And he's, he's showing John those Old Testament prophecies that said this would be what the Messiah does. He's even he's pointing to prophecies like that one in Isaiah 35 we read earlier today. This is, this is Jesus. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. And look at Isaiah 61. This is Jesus. He talks about himself in this one too. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. When John asked Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Jesus could have just said, yep. Instead, he gives this goosebump inducing description of the Messiah. Essentially, he's saying, John, remember what the prophets foretold about the coming Messiah. And then look what I'm doing. Open your eyes to see, and your ears to hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the sick are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed. Jesus is, is getting John to put two and two together. There's no more waiting. The one who was to come has come. He points John to God's word, to the prophecies, the Messiah, to show that the marks of authenticity is exactly what Jesus is carrying out right now. John can put his doubts to rest. He can be at peace with his work as the forerunner. He got it right. John doesn't have to doubt or be impatient. Not at all anymore. The one who is to come has come. 
And even though John was now in prison, even then, no, no one could take away what Jesus was about to do for him and for all people. Yes, the deaf could see, the, the, sorry, the, the blind could see, the deaf could hear, but even more was coming. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, sins are forgiven, guilt atoned for, God's wrath satisfied, heaven's doors opened, peace claimed for those who doubt, resurrections in store for the righteous. Jesus pointed John to God's word. He does the same thing for you and me. Points us to, to God's promises already fulfilled and to the promises that will soon be fulfilled. And even though we're assaulted by doubts, even though the fruits of God's promises aren't always right in front of us, we can be patient. Victory is coming. The glory of the Lord is in store for us. The day is coming when all our expectations of deliverance and peace will match reality point for point. Just look to Christ who fulfilled every sign of the Messiah who did it all to save us. Look to God's word to dispel your doubts and give you the answers you need. Because Jesus remains patient with his children, even when we're impatient with him, even when we doubt him. And if you want an example of that, just look at how he is patient with John the Baptist. When John's disciples leave, right, Look at what Jesus says to the people who were still there, who had heard this whole conversation. Instead of saying, oh, John was a fool. He's lacking confidence. Don't be like him. Instead, Jesus backs up John's work. He says, this guy was the real deal. His, his work was done well. He says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A, a reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No? Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Jesus backs up John the Baptist's work. He says he's no, he's no pushover, not a reed swayed by the wind, even now as he has these little glimmers of doubt. And he, he's also not some fancy clothes-wearing people-pleaser. John was the real deal. John the Baptist is another notch in the belt of our assurance that Jesus is the Messiah. Because John was the forerunner for the Messiah. Jesus confirms this. He wants John and everyone else to know that his work was not in vain. And just like Jesus Sure, John, his work wasn't in vain. He does the same thing for you and me. That our, our work of pointing to Jesus, it's not in vain either. We point to Christ. Even when God's promises don't come to fruition in the way we would expect them to or in the timeline we'd have hoped them to, we continue pointing to Christ even when he continues to be a stumbling block for so many. It doesn't mean we stop pointing to him. We point to Christ. We point to his word. That dispels, our doubt, that dispels our doubts and answers all our, our fears and reservations, point them to God's word. And maybe this account itself can kind of give you comfort in a roundabout way. 
If even John the Baptist had some doubts, then maybe it's not so crazy to admit that there might be some doubts we come face to face with at times. Facing doubt is going to be a continual struggle with your sinful nature in this life. But like John, you don't have to be afraid to voice those doubts. Bring them to Jesus. He's the right one to take them to. He can clear things up. God's word will clear things up. You know, John, John the Baptist never made it out of that prison. He was beheaded by Herod. John never got to see Jesus complete his work. But he was prepared. Prepared even to face the executioner because he had seen and heard what Jesus was doing. He had God's word assuring him that the one who was to come had come. And right now, John the Baptist is experiencing all the glory of God's kingdom he'd been promised. Even though we, we maybe can't always see the fruits of God's promises right in front of us, we can be patient. They're coming. They always have. They always will. No doubt about it. Amen.